There is a new JK collection release for Breeders' Cup 2022, the Winchell Epicenter Gold Label. Epicenter NFT owners have special access to this limited edition JK button-up. The Winchell Gold Label shirt can be found at openstable.io. Buy the shirt with the digital collectible, and you'll also receive an autographed Epicenter Platinum card signed by the wildly successful Ron Winchell, who'll be a guest on the show a little bit later in the week. The Gold Label shirt only available at openstable.io while supplies last. If you're an Epicenter fan, you just want the Winchell shirt for the Breeders' Cup without the Gold Label, you can get that too. For that one, go to Old Smoke, oldsmokeclothing.com. Welcome to the In The Money Podcast. This is a special Breeders' Cup show. We're going daily, folks. We're going daily from now through the Breeders' Cup. Lots of great content that's going to be coming up on these airwaves, including two segments on this very show. Start off with JK doing an analysis of the favorite in all 14 races. Of course, we'll throw out some other thoughts as well, but we're going to use the favorites as the lens through which we do our analysis on that. And then we've got uh, friends from the UK stopping by. Minty Farquhar and Tom Palin going to be talking all about the Platinum Queen and the work they do over at GBRI to promote racing, their racing internationally, specifically through the investinthebest.co.uk series of videos, which are just fantastic. If you haven't checked them out, you definitely should. And we're going to get to it all right after this. We're in the home stretch of the Woodbine standard bread season, and Woodbine Mohawk is proud to host the 2022 edition of the Breeders' Crown, presented by Libfeld and Katz. Two more intense nights of racing ahead, featuring the Breeders' Crown Championship Finals on October 28th and 29th. Terrific menu of wagering on the 29th, featuring an early pick five with a $100,000 guarantee. There's also a pick four starting in race four, a mid-card pick five starting in race six, $100,000 guarantee on that one as well. Edison's going to be on the late week in the money show to give his thoughts. We're going to be doing a special roundtable as well. Lots of great information coming. Keep it locked on inthemoneypodcast.com to learn much more. Hello and welcome to a special show we're doing for the Breeders' Cup. We're going daily, in the money daily, and it's Monday. October 24th, I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again, and joined by a man coming to us from his traditional location, the planet Texas. He is Jonathan Kinchin. JK, what's up? PTF, I am uh, I am, I am the planet Texas for the moment. I'm about to get back on the road again, a little Saratoga, and then uh, down to Lexington to hang out with you. Are you excited for the Breeders' Cup? I mean, like, you're so busy these days. How Do you still get that buzz that you, you used to get around a big event like this? Yeah, no, I, I do for sure. I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's three or four days throughout the year that really get you going. And this is one of them, right? You know, Derby day is always exciting. Um, you know, Belmont day. Uh, and then, you know, you get a little Travers breeders cup and, and you got a pretty full, full calendar of excitement. So no, I still get really excited. It's 14 unbelievable races with some of our favorite horses and, and, and as a horse player, the best betting opportunities that you have, you can do whatever you really want to do on those days. And it doesn't really matter um, much different than a Thursday at Aqueduct. You mean doesn't matter in terms of like moving your prices or whatever. You yeah. Moving your prices. Opportunities. And, absolutely. And, and I feel like 
opportunities, loves that you might have on a Friday or a Saturday, those love ideas, typically there's not a lot of value because it's, if you love them for all of these reasons, there's a lot of other times people love them too. Breeders cup, there still seems to be meat on the bone. Meat on the bone. Indeed. That was the phrase I was going to use. If you didn't great paper on horses that are going to be 10 to one, 12 to one, 15 to one. We did a whole other video about long shots. You can check out, but this video, we're going to go to the other end of the odd spectrum. JK, we're going to look at the favorites. We're going to try to analyze which of these favorites do we think we can beat? Which of these favorites do you think we might just have to accept and get uh, stuck into? Something you're not afraid to do is you famously made some uh, five-figure bets on favorites and gotten some pretty darn good results in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge as a result. Let's start with the Breeders' Cup turf sprint. This is an interesting race, JK, because I can't tell you with um, absolute confidence who the favorite's going to be, but but you would think that it's going to be Golden Pal over the big international invader, the Platinum Queen, though she will certainly have her supporters. Let's look at this question through the lens of Golden Pal. Is this a favorite you can get stuck into? Is this a favorite you think you might be able to beat? Um, you know, this he's the type of horse that I've, I've tried to get cute beating him before, um, and, and I haven't been successful. He's had some suspect races. I think a lot of people will look to that race in Saratoga, uh, the Troy, where, you know, he barely beat Finn White Duke, but they did something different with him that day that I don't project they're going to do. He seems to run better at Keeneland. He feels like the type of favorite that I would be more inclined to lean on than try to beat playing his game on his home course. I would consider Keeneland to be his home course. I would imagine he's run at Keeneland more than anywhere else, including workouts. I would think that that turf course is home for him. So uh, you mentioned the Platinum Queen. Is I misspoke. I she's misspoke. a two-year-old, she's, right? Yeah, she's going in the okay. juvenile. I was going to correct myself if you didn't, uh, you, you, if you if you hadn't corrected me. Now, Talking about Highland uh, Princess will be the big Euro uh, in that race. I will say this. So it doesn't help very much. I was looking forward to trying to beat Golden Pal with Big Invasion, uh, the Christophe Clement runner that ran so well, that, but he's not running. He, he's coming back next year. So I, I, that idea is kind of gone. The only couple of ideas I guess you could have is like a, a horse like Caravelle, who's, who's kind of found her own, but she's not running quite fast enough, I think, to beat a horse like Golden Pal. And I misspoke again. I'm not going to edit. We're just going to go with it. We're loosey-goosey around here. Highfield Princess, the horse I was trying to say. Let's pivot, though, to the Platinum Queens race. And I do think she'll probably be the favorite, uh, almost definitely be the favorite in the juvenile turf sprint. Having that form against elders, just having run some absolutely huge races. This is a race that's been on the radar of connections for a long time. That's what I like. But I could take the point that as a European invader, they have one turf sprints at the Breeders' Cup, but their overall record not that good, and the starting gate so different, breaking so different in America than overseas. I'm, I'm going to definitely be backing the Platinum Queen in some ways, shapes, and forms, but this does feel like one where maybe you're supposed to at least think about going with something at a little bit more of a price just because of all the inherent chaos. Yeah, the, the thing with her is I, I'm going to have to see some figures. People are going to get very, very caught up in the fact that she beat older. It's not that it isn't something to get caught up in, but this is still a, you know, it's still a, a flat, short turf sprint where you got to break, you got to get away from there clean, and you're facing other good, talented horses. Um, Speedboat Beach is one that I'm still very interested in as an opportunity because I talk about it all the time in these turf sprints. My favorite thing is speed in turf sprints. I don't care if it looks like it's going to fall apart. Give me the speed of the speed. 
And I don't think there's any questions that Speedboat Beach is the speed of the speed. It's a Bob Baffert trained horse that ran extremely fast early on debut, ran extremely fast early parts of the race last time. Did get a little bit tired. The fact the final number probably didn't come back as fast as some might want. But this feels like the type of horse that could take another step forward. I, I think Speedboat Beach is interesting if you're going to try to beat the Platinum Queen. Let's talk about the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Here is going to be maybe the biggest favorite. Well, no, no, probably Flightline. It will get to him. Will be the biggest favorite overall. But you could make a case that Cave Rock should be the biggest favorite based on what he's shown, based on the fact that the horse that I've touted in several videos, Logan's not going to be making an appearance, unfortunately, as it turns out. Can we beat Cave Rock and how? No, I mean, I hope not. <laughs> like I said on our show we did previously, there's no secrets. Uh, you know, later in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge, there's probably some conversations that I would probably want to keep private, but this isn't one that I'm concerned about. Every dollar I have will be bet on Cave Rock to win. <laughs> How's that for confidence, folks? We'll see as we get closer if, if the confidence stays that high. But uh, if he looks the way in person that he's run in the last couple of races – Definitely looks like one you could probably get stuck into. On the other side of the coin, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. This is a race I've already said I'm going to try to reach for something at a price. I could see a 20-to-1 shot winning this race. But one thing's given me pause about that opinion, JK, and it's this massive heater that Todd Pletcher has been on, both at Keeneland and in New York. I'm guessing, and it's just a guess, that Chocolate Gelato will go as the favorite here. I think I'm going to try to beat her because I don't know that there's that much between her and some of these others. And it feels like a race where something could step up and run well at a big price. But she's certainly deserving of, of, of respect and, and probably a place at the top of the market. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Chocolate Gelato. Um, myself and Austin, that was actually his first bet of the summer. He bet Chocolate Gelato, too. Um, on debut and when she got beat it was very disappointing then she came back and, and she ran fast but her last race it just wasn't it wasn't fast enough for me to lean on her as who's likely to be the favorite I don't think she's like a bad horse I just don't think she's going to present a lot of value I, I wouldn't be shocked if she won I think she might be the best horse in the race but I think there's an opportunity to try to beat her here. Uh, a horse like Wonder Wheel who will probably be taking a little bit of money as well. But one that, that has my interest is the Michael McCarthy trainee uncontrollable for Rapoli Stable. The other Rapolian here, um, she ran well in, in the chandelier and got a fast enough number. And one of the things I've realized about Michael McCarthy's training style as we've become friendly and I've just kind of watched him from a distance is his horses that are training out on those deeper racetracks in California, they seem to really run well when they come out east or they show up somewhere else. You think about CeCe and the time she's run um, at Oaklawn, or you think about um, City of Light and what he did. I, I just, I, I think she's interesting to take a step forward. What she's done on paper doesn't make me want to cut in line to bet on her to win, but I do believe that there's a possible step forward and she should be a pretty big price on the board. 20 to one in the anti-post markets right now, JK. It could be party time at Keeneland if you can get that, if you can get that one in. Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf is a race I'm guessing you haven't been able to do too much work on before we know exactly who's going to be there. The favorite will be, I would think, a European runner, Blue Rose Sen, right now at the top of the international markets. For me, I'd take Meditate over Blue Rose Sen, and just off the cuff and what I know of the figures, but Generally speaking, in this race, what's your approach about leaning on a favorite in, in a contest like the Juvenile Phillies Turf? Yeah, I mean, I do what I basically always do in these races, which is listen to, uh, 
the information that you offer with your knowledge when it comes to the European races. Uh, I'll check in with someone like Craig Burnick, who's, who's really plugged into the breeding operations and the breeding and into what's going on over there. And, and then I'll, I'll listen to, to Nick Luck as much as I can, just kind of giving some ideas about who these horses are, what they've beat, if there is any kind of weird biases on any of the racetracks these horses are exiting. And then I try to make decisions backward. But the juvenile turf races, I always start with those unless there happens to be something freaky that we've seen, like a newspaper of record. Just don't know that there is anything freaky. You know, a horse like Free Look, if, if that horse wins for Chad, am I going to be shocked? No, not at all. Um, I think one horse that is interesting to me is Delight for Jonathan Thomas, who is a forward-type turf runner. And I think that those horses are always a little bit dangerous when facing the Euros because the Euros are typically not as forward as our horses are. And I think the Delight, who's run well over the course, uh, Jonathan Thomas usually takes his time with horses. They seem to get better. And you think about a horse like Catholic Boy that just kept getting better and better. I think Delight's interesting at what should be a pretty nice little price, considering the Euros usually take a lot of money. In the international markets, Delight is the favorite amongst the domestics right now. Six to one, the best price available on her. I was going to mention her to you if you didn't. And you talked about Nick Luck. The plan, and hopefully we'll get this nailed down. It's not nailed down yet but is to have Nick on with sort of our first look at the Europeans. That might be the video that we pop up tomorrow in this space. One more that I'll mention. I don't know what's going to happen with her, but if Chigera gets somehow finds herself into the body of the field, I don't know what happened there. Uh, but from what I understand, the way that the, that the, that race, uh, I'm, I'm going to go blank on the, on the, was, uh, whatever the Philly race is called for on the, the two-year-old turf Philly race. Oh, Keeneland. oh not, not the Alcibiades. She ran in the Alcibiades. No, she ran the Alcibiades, but the turf race. Long story Jessamine. short, I, Jessamine. I feel like the Jessamine was going to oversubscribe, and there was something about the oversubscription of that that was going to keep Jagera out of it, and that's why she ran on the dirt. She oh, was just trying to I, – I, I don't know that for sure. That's what I think happened because I don't understand why she didn't run in that race. Um, but I, I think she was one of the most impressive horses we saw at, at Saratoga, and, and let's not remember who she ran second to, Pink Hugh, who I think would be – uh, potentially favored in this race based on her performance. She unfortunately got ill. And so Chakira is one that if she can find her way into the body of this field, I think she'd be dangerous for the U.S. runners. And if you're looking down confusedly and saying, where's the horse that's name starts with J starts with an X and you're pronouncing it exactly right. But just to let people know, and longtime listeners of the show are just going to assume that you were winding me up, trying to get me to say Alcibiades on the show. <laughs> we'll leave that as an inside joke. You know, if you know, you know, when it comes to that one. Juvenile turf up next, JK. Charlie Appleby seemingly can do no wrong. I'm going to guess that his silver knot is going to go as a big favorite in this spot. My one caveat would be the run on soft ground, two back, not great. And uh, Rob Dove, one of the top 10 pro punters in the UK today, made the point to me. Watch the tape and you can see how uncomfortable he is on the soft ground, switching his leads back and forth. Anyway, if it's a bog, and who knows? You know, I know there's some showers for it's it's 11 days away, people. Let's not worry about the forecast quite this far out. But I will say that would give me pause about getting too stuck in. But at this point, from what you've seen from Appleby, if all systems are go, if the ground is is right, are you willing to go in Appleby? We trust at this point at the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely the, the where you're going to start, right? You want to start with that conversation. Um, I will say this though, I, I was pretty impressed on debut. Um, by I'm Very Busy, uh, the Chad Brown runner who, who won at Saratoga first out, then ran second in the Pilgrim on yielding ground. You know, the, the, with lightly raced horses like that, they could get to a different surface and run well. I thought I'm Very Busy showed enough talent. And there's another horse that just showed up here that I don't know if they're going to enter. I have no idea. Oxymore. 
uh, is a horse that, that, that was a sprinter, ran a couple of times as a sprint, switched to Chad Brown, won uh, the Skidmore at Saratoga, and then stretched out. I remember talking to Chad uh, after the Skidmore, and he, he said, I'm going to run Oxymore at Monmouth. And I go, oh, is there a sprint there? And he goes, no, two turns. And I go, you're going to run her two turns? And he goes, oh, I mean, unless you don't want me to. <laughs> yeah, very funny, and uh, I just think that he's always thought that, that that horse will go further. And you talk about speed and running them off their feet. That horse has a ton of speed. And uh, if, if she, if he can run anything like I think an Italian might run in the Philly and Mare turf, I think Oxymore could be dangerous if he finds his way into this race. Double digits at the moment, but some of that is probably about the uncertainty of the spot. We'll keep the ears to the ground. One thing about doing these daily shows, we'll bring you news and headlines and let you know, you know, who's in, who's out as much as possible. Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf. There's a runner in here who's going to be the favorite, Nashua, that if I covered up the names and just showed you PPs, the PP cut would be looking very, very similar to many, many horses who've run this race. She's got the figures. She's got the form. We got to see who shows up, not just from her uh, compatriots over there, but also on the domestic side. You've tipped your hand, though. You're not with the favorite here. It sounds like you got. You sounds like you got a strong opinion. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I like an Italian quite a bit. Um, you know, it, it's you know, this is just a little bit a side note as far as the Breeders' Cup betting challenge goes. Like, I have a hard time leaning too heavily on a race like this because turf racing can be so chaotic and trips and things like that. But in Italian, you know what trip she's going to get. She's going to find the front. No one's going to be in front of her. Joel's ridden her twice brilliantly. He understands who she is. The distance isn't going to be a problem for her. She ran extremely well in the Diana, and three horses came back and won their next starts out of the Diana. So it was a it was a definitely a, a productive race. And just like any other time, there's a four-legged animal running in a semicircle. Being on the front end is dangerous. And I think in Italian, has shown how good she is. And I don't care who's running behind her. They better time their ride perfectly or she'll get loose. She likes it at Keeneland, too. I wouldn't tell you to not press up in Italian, but I would tell you to take an extra look at Nashua in that spot. Breeders' Cup Mile, a race where it had long been assumed that Modern Games was going to go the heavy favorite. Not necessarily so, and not now in the international markets with all the support that double uh, Group 1 winner Kinross is getting. Right now, best prices anyway. Kinross 5-2, to two, Modern Games 3-1. to one. I have a feeling that in the actual USA tote market, Modern Games will go the favorite. How much were you impressed by his run at Woodbine? How surprised were you that he came back and ran a Champions Day? And can you get stuck into him? I mean, I loved uh, Modern Games' performance at Woodbine. I actually kind of thought, you know, this might be a, a situation where I can kind of lean on. And then there's the performance on Champions Day. But, you know, if this horse shows up here, I think you're going to see a race similar to what you saw at Woodbine. Is that going to be good enough? Um, I, I do think that he's a favorite that I would tread lightly trying to beat if he ends up being favored, but another horse that, that has my attention and, and there's a lot to try to figure out here. There's a lot of workout conversations you want to hear, but let's not forget how darn good domestic spending was when he was running and to see him possibly show back up in here would be really, really cool. And he would be a horse that I would have a real hard time letting beat me. Yeah. And there's, he'll be taking a lot of money if they gets that positive, workout type vibe around about him right now big prices available but that's the kind of thing that might not be big will, will not be big prices on the day i think if he goes there he's going there because he's doing well and if he's doing well he'll be a fraction of the price that's an interesting idea for some international betters for sure 
And yeah, we'll see. I'm also really curious to get to see modern games in the flesh and see if he looks as good as he did before that race at Woodbine. Breeders' Cup Sprint, you've got sort of a two-headed monster at the top of the market. Uh, you've talked about both of these horses in another video. Jackie's Warrior and Jack Christopher. Jackie's Warrior, the one who is going to be favored or is favored now in the international markets. How If Jack Christopher is confirmed for this race, do you think he'll be the favorite? Um, no, I think Jackie will be favored. Uh, I think, I think Jackie will be favored. He's just been around too long. People know his name too much. He's the real sprinter sprinter. Jack Christopher's the middle distance horse cutting back. Is he going to like it? I mean, I like Jack personally in that situation, Christopher uh, over Jackie's warrior. I think Jackie's warrior is the type of horse that has been brilliant throughout his career, but he has at times been underwhelming when things haven't gone perfectly for him. And I think that there's enough talented horses in here that could be problematic. i tell you one thing. If you like Jackie's Warrior, you're a Jackie's Warrior fan, you better hope he draws outside of Jack Christopher. I don't think he, you want Jack Christopher breathing down his neck. I think the real interesting horse for me is Kamari. If she shows up in here and runs against the boys based off her last couple of races, she fits. If the, if the two Jacks happen to hook up with each other at the eighth pole, um, and, and, and make a fight out of it. I could see Kamari swooping down the middle of the track on Wesley Ward's playground and beating people out of, uh, out of bets who thought it was a two-horse race. So I think Kamari is the interesting one, depending on wh what race she runs in. And, and, and I would imagine that the decision uh, will be made based on what Wesley ultimately thinks she wants from a distance standpoint. Does she want to go six or does she want to go seven? Let's talk Dirt Mile. Right now, the favorite Jack Christopher, we feel like he might be leaning towards a sprint. We don't really know. We'll see. If he goes in the Dirt Mile, personally, I'd find him a very difficult one to take on. <laughs> this is a, just sort of a funny race to guess about because we don't know who's running here. But if you have a, a quick thought about what your approach to Jack Christopher would be, should he turn up in the Dirt Mile, maybe that's the best way to go. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't think he is. I mean, you know, I know... I know Chad had seen in an interview just kind of said they're leaning towards the sprint at this point. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like leaning toward, if he's going to say leaning towards the sprint at this point, like he, he just wouldn't have said anything if, if it was going to be something different than that. So I would think that's probably where they'll end up going. You know, I think Laurel river will take a lot of money. Seems a little bit buzzy ran fast last time. It's Bob Baffert. It's a dirt race to mile. I think he's a horse. that's interesting, but it's going to be hard for me not to get, really excited about an opportunity to bet on Cody's wish who I thought ran extremely well at Saratoga. And uh, you know, he, he's a horse that just looks like he might be serious right now. And, and the way that he beat Jackie's warrior, I, I don't, I think he beat him on the square. That's why I'm not mad at Jackie's warriors performance. I think Jackie ran his race. I think Cody's wish just ran better. So uh, Bill Mott, Bill Mott with a target. We always talk about it. I think Cody's wish could be pretty tough to beat. Even if Jack Christopher does show up in this uh, two turn mile race. I think he will be the favorite if Jack Christopher doesn't go. And I'll spare you another inside joke. I'll spare you having to talk about Cyberknife, who might turn up there. Breeders' Cup Distaff Nest looking in the international markets like a solid and significant favorite over Malathot. It'll certainly be those top two uh, at the market. And has your opinion on this evolved? You, you had said previously you were sure it was going to be one of the Pletchers in this spot. Are you feeling the same way a week week or so later? Yeah, no, I, I still think it's going to be a Pletcher. But the problem is, 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 is Ness is going to mess around and end up being a pretty good price, I think. I, I've heard way too many – it's those – kind of those like – and they're those typical opinions you get from those people who just like are dying to have a, a – Wise guys? Opinion. Wise guys? Is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, not really wise guys. I think wise guys have kind of got this negative – 
like this negative kind of connotation. I think a wise guy is someone who's trying to think opposite of the public for, but, but trying to do it in a way to make money. What I see often is people try to get too cute. The pseudo they, wise guy. Yeah, Why is one they, of those funny words? You know, we, there, there's a word for it, antagonism. It's a word that means the same thing as its opposite. And so there are wise guys like, you know, proper wise guys, people whose opinion are going to follow. And then there's the sort of pseudo wise guy, people trying to be clever kind of idea. I think that's more in the lines of what you're talking about. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's like the $2 show wise guy. Like <laughs> there's no, there's no constant. And I'm not making fun of how much people bet. I'm saying there's no consequence to that bad opinion. And I think trying to get overly excited about trying to beat Nest is kind of a mistake. I, I, you know, I, I, a lot of, I just think there's too much between her and Malathot. You yeah, know, no, one, like I said, I, and the other is three to one. It, to me, that's a no-brainer choice. But it's not I like Nest can't win. No, and, and they worked together the other day, which I thought was pretty cool. If you haven't seen that, try to catch that on, on XBTV or just YouTube in general. But they worked together. Um, and I, I kind of feel like Malathot probably went a little bit better. She usually, when they've worked in company before, I've always thought Malathot has gone a little bit better. But Nest is more tactical. Nest can make her own trip. If the pace is slow, Nest is going to be close. So I just feel like they're just very close. So yes, Malathot probably offers more value, but I think getting too cute trying to beat Nest is going to be a mistake. So, um, you know, I think she will be the favorite. I think she deserves to be a favorite. And I'm going to kind of sit on the fence. I'm not going to try to beat her. I'm going to use her, but I'm going to make sure that I use Malathot as well. Don't get splinters in your behind sitting on that fence, JK. Philly and Mayor Sprint. This one surprises me at just how big of a favorite Goodnight Olive is internationally. I'm not convinced she's going to be the favorite. I think there's a lot of narratives that could emerge. Echo Zulu, just one runner. I mean, look at her PP cut. She looks like she could be a favorite for this race easily. You've got, you know, should Kamari go here? She'll take a lot of money. You've got um, you got CC, the returning champion in the race. Who knows? But for right now, Goodnight Olive is the favorite. How much do you trust her? How much do you want to beat her? Um, you know, I don't really love her as the favorite. I, I thought she was a cute little interesting idea if she was going to be three, four, five to one as the favorite. I mean, I think you want to try to. I mean, I think you want to. If, if you're betting to win, I think you want to try to beat her. I, I'm not going to try to beat her in terms of of uh, multi race bets. Latruska's on this list. Is that true? Or am I just, this is just a bad list. I hadn't seen that. I thought they were giving up for Latruska and, and regrouping. That was the okay. last I had heard. Well, I, I think the other one that I think you'll keep in mind is obligatory. When, when she gets seven eights and she gets pace to close into, she's, she's pretty good. Um, she runs well in Kentucky. Um, and, and so, and, and when I say they run well in Kentucky, I, I think the, re, you know, I, I want to, insi- what I, what I'm insinuating is, is I think, Sometimes in different jurisdictions, you can do different things and whatever those things might be. I think that if you can identify a horse that, that runs well in a certain jurisdiction, there's reason to believe that possibly there's something that goes on there that, that helps them, makes them. No, happier, you don't necessarily whatever. mean anything. No, no funny business. Reasons, but yeah, just, no, 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 just, you know, what's allowed yeah. in terms of, uh, medication etc and i mean some horses just famously adapt better to certain surroundings or get over certain racetracks better you put that all in the hopper there's a reason why we have horses for for courses and i think in time certain times that can be expanded to horses for states so i I hear your logic and agree completely that obligatory might end up being the interesting one in there two more races left to talk about a couple of minutes to do it breeders cup turf not exactly sure who the favorite's going to be 
Um, internationally, it, 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 uh, it's looking like Rebels Romance might be the one at the top of the list. Uh, certainly there's going to be lots of Charlie Appleby representation and he might send out the, the, the top pick and the second to top pick. So maybe that's the lens through which to look at this. How, how much, how much are you inclined to just trust Appleby in this spot? How much are you inclined to get clever? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that from an American standpoint and our tote and, and, you know, our tote's the main tote and it's, it's where most of the money's going to be, but I, I just feel like there's going to be an opportunity to try to beat Warlike Goddess and, and she's going to take money now she might not ultimately be favored you know one of the euros is likely to be favored but she's going to take money she's going to be used in multi-race bets she she is going to be a horse that if you can toss and not use you are picking up some value so i'm going to try to beat her there and and, and like in most of these situations i'm going to kind of lock into to some of the euros you know whether it was tarnawa or your beer um i just think in this category of all of the categories when they have a good one, their good ones are better than our good ones. The problem is that sometimes they don't bring their good ones, and then our good ones can beat their kind of B-team ones. Um, but I think when they have a good one, it, it, it's, it's hard to compete, and it seems like they might have a couple. We used to play this game on the show. We still do from time to time. Sort of a reverse name that tune. In how few words can you do this year's Breeders' Cup Classic? Oh, no, I'm not going to beat Flight line. Uh, one word. Flight line. One word. <laughs> yeah, flight line. But I, I do think that that if you're going to try to beat him, there are two horses that people are going to make mistakes trying to beat him with, which I do feel like presents some value. Um, I think it's a mistake to try to beat him with life is good. Um, they run too similar of styles in flight line. I just feel like is going to at some point look him in the eye and it's going to go. Life might not be quite as good for life is good after that happens. And I think people are going to try to get cute with this rich strikes, not as bad as the punchline he has been since the Derby. And although that might be the case, he's, he can't warm up the, what epicenter is now. He can't beat that epicenter. He can't beat what Taiba is now. He beat them on the day on Derby day, but that circuit with a perfect trip and a huge setup, he's not, he's not that he's not better than those horses. So epicenter for me is the most likely winner. If it's not flight line, um, Tybo would be second, you know, the kind of second in that conversation is, is the next likely winner. Uh, I just think that those two horses make the most sense. And they also rate to take another step forward. Um, where I just feel like we've three-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. We know who life is good is and he's brilliant. I, I don't want to make fun of him. He's a brilliant, brilliant horse. Um, but I don't, he's, I, he's not beating flight line. I'll bring you a question that comes from In the Money Plus editor Tyler Wisman. I think you like this. And for folks looking for extra content on the Breeders' Cup, do check out our Plus service in the slash plus. You have 70,000 heading into the classic. <laughs> what do you do? I wouldn't have 70 because I would play the double. <laughs> um, you will not be in that situation. Yeah, way. no, I mean, I, I mean, I think I would probably try to play exactas with with uh flight line on top with epicenter and, and Taiba in second, um, you know, maybe a little saver with like a horse, like hot rod, Charlie in second or, 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 or something kind of goofier like that, the smaller denomination there. But I think a majority of that money, I would, I would try to try to run it through there with, with flight line on top, but it also depending on what the leaderboard was, I mean, right. If that's going to dictate a lot. 
Yeah. I mean, if I had 70 going into the last and uh, the person in front of me had like 82, I would just bet the 70 to win on flight line and take the one to two and, and, and try to jump them there, move, and then hope no one hits. Right. Um, so, you know, somebody's going to have some ginormous double to, to flight line though. Like I, I, even if the leader had 82 going in, I'd tell you to shoot higher than, I still might tell you to try to turn flight line into at least an even money shot to get, you know, one thirty, one forty. Yeah. yeah and, you, and it's, but it's also just kind of like what's, but the thing is, is like, we've talked about this before, not to go down this rabbit hole, but like the, if I believe that it's Epicenter or Taiba that are going to run second in that exacta, someone's going to pop that exacta. Yeah. Someone's going to hit a $10,000 exacta <laughs> like that. Someone will. You know, what, you know what I'm saying? Like, because it's predictable, like in the, in the, in the justify, um, in the justify Belmont, remember uh, Gronkowski ran second and if someone else would have ran second. I think the, the board would have blown up in that contest, but since it was Gronkowski, no one really attacked that hard. Yep. You know, I think sometimes the, the wilder, the result, people might think, Oh, it's a huge payout. It's going to, it's going to blow up the board. But a lot of times the more logical ones are the ones that blow up the board. JK, we're out of time. We're going to have you back for some of these in the money daily shows, get more thoughts on the breeders cup betting challenge, more thoughts on these races, but it was great catching up with you. And we will be talking soon. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at Del Mar. The Del Mar fall meet is fast approaching with 13 racing days featuring 15 stakes from Friday, November 11th to Sunday, December 4th. Back this year is the ship and win program, which features a guaranteed $3,000 check for any qualified starter who last ran out of state in their first ship and win start, including stakes races. These purse bonuses will also extend to a horse which makes its initial ship and win start at the Santa Anita Autumn Meet. Additionally, a 30% bonus will be applied to qualified horses' purse earnings for every start during the fall meet. Don't miss out at Del Mar this fall. Going to be covering the meet extensively right here on the In the Money Media Network. And for much more, go to dmtc.com. Next up on the show, we have a special segment brought to us by our friends at Great British Racing International. And the first of our two guests we'll bring in right away. You've heard her on these airwaves before from GBRI, Minty Farquhar. Minty, how are things? Hi, Pete. How you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Excellent. We're getting ready for the Breeders' Cup. I actually make the trip out to Lexington tomorrow. Going to get settled nice and early and really excited about all the racing action we have coming up. We're going to be talking about some of that with our next guest who we bring in. Very excited to have on these airwaves for the first time, Tom Palin. Tom, how are things? Great. Thank you for having me. And of course, your connection to the Breeders' Cup as a part of your work with uh, Midland Park Racing, you've got uh, the Platinum Queen going to be making the journey over. Very excited to talk to you about her. And, and folks who want much more on the Platinum Queen can check out this really cool video that just popped up. And we'll talk to Minty about this series in general over at investinthebest.co.uk. But we'll start with the obvious question for you, Tom. How's the Platinum Queen doing coming into this big test? Uh, she's in great form. Um, she had her last piece of work at home yesterday, and that went great. Um, she's lovely and sound this morning, which is the main thing, and we'll just kind of be tipping away with her gradually until we um, come down to Stansted and get on the flight to come across to Lexington um, on Saturday evening, I believe, they fly. So, no, it's hugely exciting, and um, it's entry day today, so it all starts getting a bit real from here on in. It's going to be great seeing exactly who's coming over this race in particular, this juvenile turf sprint has so many different angles. I'm sure you're across 
all of it, Tom, but some of these horses coming in, the speedster from California for Bob Baffert that's looked so good on the clock and in the flesh, and this amazing story of Tyler's tribe, the Iowa bred, putting up these fast numbers, who's never stepped on turf but has the 20-year-old female apprentice rival uh, rider. There's so much good stuff going on, but for me, no story's better than the Platinum Queen. And as we've gotten more and more cross-pollination between English racing and American racing, there are still some things that seem pretty foreign to the American audience when it comes to looking across the pond to, to British racing, uh, perhaps none more so than the idea that a two-year-old filly could go and race against her elders successfully and be a favorite to, to win in the process. To many Americans, they just find that idea mind-blowing. I'd love to hear a little bit about the Platinum Queen's journey this year, culminating with that big win last out. Yeah, well, it's been it's been a bit of a whirlwind, really. Um, she only had her first start on the 1st of June, um, and and the wheels did come off a little bit at Royal Ascot, but we managed to get managed to get him back on. And ever since then, I think it's kind of been a bit bish bash bosh with her. Really, um, it's it's all come thick and fast. We've gone to all of the major festivals with her. The owners are just on a, this express train, this juggernaut that doesn't seem to be coming off the rails at any point in the near future, thankfully. But yeah, it, it, it is quite hard for even the Europeans to get their head around what we did over in France. Um, <laughs> you, you know, I think it was only. A small handful of horses who take uh, two-year-olds who take their chance in the Nunforth, and it's an even smaller cohort who go over to the Abbe. I believe she was the first. She was the first two-year-old to win the Abbe in 44 years. So it, rest assured, it's not just the Americans who can't quite get their head around that. The <laughs> Europeans are struggling to fathom what we did. She's something special indeed. You mentioned racing at so many of the major festivals. I know Minty. That's something we've talked about before for American owners looking to get involved in British racing or even American fans just looking and looking to deepen their knowledge when it comes to following racing in Great Britain in particular, there's really a nice mapped out calendar and a way in for them to do so. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the way the racing calendar is organized over there and, and how it might provide a way in for American fans and owners. Well, yeah, I mean, I've said it so many times, British racing is all about, it's, it's nothing without the experience and these festivals are each so idiosyncratic and they each have their own charms. I mean, um, Tom's owners have, have had the most, uh, Midland Park's owners have had the most amazing summer rolling from kind of, you know, Royal Ascot through to Glorious Goodwood at, um, on the amazing rolling Sussex Downs and then through to York, which is a personal favourite of mine. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it, the, the summer is set up to allow horses to, you know, have enough time between each of those festivals that they can, Go from one to the next which allows obviously owners to to be enjoying those those big days and the big stages um and it's been demonstrated so beautifully by the platinum queen this year that you know if you're if you're the kind of horse that can take a fair bit of racing throughout the summer that you know there's 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 so many different festivals to be enjoyed and, and that's 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 what the sport over here is really about the timing of the Breeders' Cup is wonderful, too. Sort of the cherry on top of the of the Sunday, if you will. And it looks like we're going to have some of the most deep and interesting foreign participation in the Breeders' Cup. And I, I know I always enjoy the Ryder Cup element of it, where you get the jurisdictions racing against one another. I get to sit in the middle and attempt to explain some of the English runners to the American audience and, and vice versa. That's always that's always really fun aspect of, of this as well. Tom, I'd love to hear about your relationship to the Breeders' Cup and, and what kind of an importance it has for you as somebody in the business. 
Uh, it's something that everybody is targeting nowadays, I think. Look, you've got to have the right ammunition to be able to even get in there. And that's why I think it makes it the, the very pinnacle of sort of the autumn, really. Um, as Mincy explains, we, we have our own fantastic festivals, which we uh, love to target. But it's, it really is when we can start spreading onto the European stage and showcasing great British racing and going there. And look, we, we, you mentioned the Ryder Cup element. It's very much that we kind of feel we have it in um, the National Hunt game with the British versus the Irish at Cheltenham. And look, there is a bit of us that want to go, come over there and try and beat the Americans in their own backyard. So it, it creates great sport and a great atmosphere and a friendly kind of rivalry and a bit of banter between uh, between both nations as well, doesn't it? I think that's a great point. When racing is at its best, it really succeeds as a gambling game and it really succeeds as sport. And nowhere is that more evident than big festival meetings, whether we're talking about uh, the Breeders' Cup or or Ark Weekend or or York in the summer or certainly Royal Ascot. It's one of the things that I, I think is just tremendous fun. And I know American owners who've taken horses to run over at Ascot or even campaigned horses in, in England and Ireland. They Being a part of that that friendly rivalry is, is definitely a big part of the fun. The ownership experience, Minty, you mentioned that. And while we definitely, I don't want to talk about every element of the video because I think people need to get themselves over to invest in the best.co.uk and pivot over to the world leading racehorses area on there and watch this video about the Platinum Queen. But one thing that struck me was just the tremendous amount of fun that this ownership group was having. It was really in in the watching in the winner's enclosure at Longchamp. It was like they'd won the cup. And I particularly enjoyed the moment of cheering Holly Doyle in. I know for you, uh, one of the, the, the great selling points of English racing is the experience that fans get to have, whether they're, they're domestic or international, when it comes to owning these horses. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, Tom would be able to talk much better about this. So, you know, the, with Midland Park um, being, you know, right at the heart of Midland Park. So I'll, I'll hand over to Tom. He can tell you a bit more about the ownership. Um, yeah. How, how much the owners got to got to celebrate the summer and, and, and how exciting that was. Yeah, well, I, I think you mentioned the scenes that we all saw uh, at Longchamp there. And that, that kind of just typifies what our, what our owners get involved for. You know, that, that of course, of course, a financial return was something, but it, that was almost irrelevant to the, the sheer joy that they, were, that they were having. They were experiencing stuff that people can't that the, the normal person can't experience i sometimes liken it to we, we all want to play football or soccer when when we're children and you want to play against cristiano ronaldo and lionel messi but that never happens you don't get within 100 feet of them but the fact that we've got the top class jockey and holly doyle on board and we've got a top class filly who is cristiano ronaldo we're you know we're dining at the top table we're competing um we're competing at the highest level and we're, we're living out dreams and i think that was just very evident there um, with it all just coming out in one culmination of their lifetime's passion um, as, as a Platinum Queen crossed the line over in France. Give us a little bit of background about the ownership group, Midland Park, how far back it goes and how it came to be. Um, Dad set the business up 27 years ago. I say business. Um, it's, it's actually a hobby that got out of hand is how he likens it. Um, he, he, he set it up, just him and a few mates kind of having a few shares together and it just gradually snowballed. The first horse we had, China Castle, was at the time the winning most horse on the all weather, so we got a bit lucky early on, and it just snowballed. But I think the game really changed when uh, Tamor came along in 2013. He was champion of his generation. He was two uh, European two-year-old champion, and um, we, we pretty much doubled overnight with a uh, number of owners who came to us and horses who we had to purchase to kind of facilitate the, the owners' 
requests and um, we've, we've never really looked back since then. So it's kind of Midland Park of the first 15 years and now we're just into this uh, last 10 years where, where you know, uh, we'd, be, we'd be operating at these festivals and coming to Breeders' Cups um, on a more regular basis now. Is it more of still the basis of a of a group of of friends, or is there public a public way to to get involved as well for people who who want to learn more about the partnership ownership experience in England? Something we haven't talked about that much, but we talk about all the time in terms of American racing. Yeah, it's it's very much open to the public. Um, look, I, I think the the syndicate members end up making great friends because you know you're going racing ten times a year with them, so you end up building great great friendships. And what you do tend to find as managers is groups of friends, so like the Platinum Queen owners, will probably all invest in another horse together and wanting to keep that relationship going. So it's a great way of like-minded people meeting and supporting horses together and living out their passions. But uh, it, it is very much a public um, operation. It's, and you know, we, we always have shares available. You wouldn't walk into Asda or Tesco and there'd nothing, be nothing on the shelf. So we've always got something to, <laughs> something to, um, something to sell. So if you want, if you want to head, head over to our website, midlandparkracing.net, you can uh, have a little look on there and, get involved in this great game of ours. We've talked a bunch about this invest in the best.co.uk website and, and the Platinum Queen video, but Minty, there's a lot of other great information on there as well. What can folks expect to find? Well, British Racing Invest in the Best was uh, a four-week um, kind of concentrated campaign that we did, which really showcased all the various elements or ways in which British racing is world-leading. So whether that be from the... Um, the world-leading racehorses that are in training and the, the trainers who train them in this country, but also um, the breeding side of things, the bloodstock sales and the, the kind of global footprint that they have um, through to the, the kind of gold standard of, of welfare that um, is upheld in this country for, for racehorses in and out of training. And the, the, the campaign showcased through a series of video features um, all of these elements and really touched upon uh, so many different corners of the industry, so many um, different um, breeding establishments, uh, racehorses that are at the topic of their game at the moment. So it's a really wide cross section of content, and uh, yeah, most of it is most of it is now up on investinthebest.co.uk. So it's um, for you know racing fans who are interested to learn a bit more about British racing and and what makes British racing special, then then it's a I suppose a good place to start and. Um, and then our social channels, which um, are at GBRI, uh, sorry, at GBRI underscore UK at, uh, on Twitter and Instagram, and then Great British Racing International on Facebook. So they showcase uh, similar content um, all year round. And actually in the run up to the Breeders' Cup, uh, we have an initiative called Team British Racing, um, where uh, the British contenders uh, go out with, uh, you may have seen in previous years, Union Jack livery, um, rugs and all the, the grooms can go out with their kit and the owners with their caps. I'd imagine the middle and park owners will be wearing Union Jack. <laughs> Sporting them proudly. Yeah, the Platinum <laughs> Queen caps. Um, so watch out for those at Keeneland. And, and those social channels throughout throughout the year have, have loads of video features, similar content, uh, telling the stories of, of these of these horses and trainers and breeding establishments, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's not just a case of that, you know, that website being the be all and end all. There's so much more out there that we that we put out to showcase what a you know what a what a fantastic bunch of horses to train in this country, how successful the trainers are. And I think that's it's amazing actually looking back at this year, you know, as we're running up to the Breeders' Cup, we were having a look back at this year and 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 how well the trainers um, across Britain, and it really is across Britain, it's such a broad cross-section, um, 
how well they've done this year internationally. And it's it's extraordinary to think that uh, tw- there have been 23 international Group 1 races that have been won by 11 different British trainers in 2022 so far. So that's an incredible strength and depth in terms of the training ranks with 18 individual Group 1 winners. And those are those outside of the UK. Um, and those are you know winners from two-year-olds to six-year-olds and from five furlongs to a mile and a half. And the... I think we're so used to seeing British trainers perform on the world stage, but actually to kind of clarify that and put that into numbers is amazing. So, you know, with 15, I'm sorry, 25 potential starters, I know the entries come out later today, but um, I believe there are 25 intended um, entries uh, for the Breeders' Cup this year um, across a, a total of 17 British trainers. Um, that really does demonstrate the strength and depth. And I think that, that that's what invests in the best and, and our GBRI channels are, are trying to, showcase throughout the year um but particularly around now and if um over the next kind of couple of weeks we'll be bringing out more video content around uh, team british racing contenders so um yeah keep your eyes on keep your eyes on those that's great it's been so fun following all those stories obviously the platinum queen at the top of them but good to know that that's a going to be a great repository of info as we go forward and i think that's a great point about having that data behind the international success of of British trainers. And I'm also glad, well, I want to take this opportunity to point out that once the appetite is whetted, if you're a a USA horse owner and you're somebody interested in getting involved, GBRI do more than just share this information. They can be a real conduit to helping you get started. What's the best way for people who have the bug, Minty, as it were, and, and want to get serious about buying at sales and or racing over with you? Well, the best place to start is going to our website, which is greatbritishracinginternational.com. And on there, you can find our contact details and get in touch. Um, and you're right, we we are very much more than just a promotional organization. Um, we're there to assist her to um, nav- help people to navigate British racing, especially if they're coming to, to this part of the world for the first time. And uh, it's interesting, actually, that, you know, we've got Tom here, one of the kind of managers of the foremost syndicate operations in the UK, I think, um, in, you know, if, if people are interested in kind of dipping their toe in the water over here for the first time, it might not be that they want to take a kind of a proper dive into having a full horse in training. But um, I think to have, uh, you know, you, I remember we talked on last time about um, the, you know, now that the world has opened up again, people can travel. It's such a wonderful time to be kind of getting, especially during the summer when people want to come over and explore Europe anyway from the States. It's such a wonderful excuse to come over to the UK if you have a horse or a share of a horse in training over here and come and find out about these summer festivals that we were talking about. Um, so, yeah, there's uh, there's 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 plenty of um, uh, there's plenty of support we can offer. So, um, greatbritishracinginternational.com is the place to go and get in touch with us, and we can um, help to navigate the sales, the racing, um, getting familiar with British trainers, British bloodstock agents, and and syndicates like like Middle Park. Tom, I wanted to ask you a general horse racing question because I think you've got a really interesting combination of experience growing up in the game, but also I know you've, you, you've done some work on the, in the uh, sports marketing arena, studying it at, at school and, and you have knowledge of, of, you know, sort of the larger world of how we try to market sports to our potential fans and customers. And I was curious to know in your estimation, what some of the things are that horse racing can do to continue to be a major sport and not just be relegated to to like a niche in the corner over here. I still think in in England, racing occupies a little bit more of a place in the larger sporting um, landscape. 
in the USA, it, it is a, a bit more of a niche thing, but what can be done to help grow racing in your, in your opinion? Yeah, it's obviously the second most attended sports in the country over here. So we've already got a fair footing. Um, and I think we do promote the big festivals quite well. But something I, I would like to try and champion is the accessibility of this sport. Um, it, it might still have a little bit of a stigma attached to it, but it's, it, it, it's a sport of kings. And of course, it still very much is. But it, it, it's also a sport for everybody, actually. Um, you know, with, with the growing um, improvement in how the BHA are welcoming syndicates into the game a little bit more it's becoming far more accessible i think um you know you can go and stand on Newmarket heath and see as i said as i referred to uh, lionel messi ronaldo tom brady competing and going about their daily business i think that is something we we are, we offer which is quite unique you know you, you can't go and see brady um practicing with a box can you he that's all behind closed doors with a big cloak and dagger whereas here it's actually a very open sport and it's very accessible and it is accessible to the working person you know the, the man in the street for two three hundred pounds can quite easily have a share in a racehorse go and go and speak to john gosden and go and have a picture taken with frankie Tory and see their horse and come home in front hopefully i think it's a great point and it's one of the things I really like about the horse racing experience that you see people at all levels of society. And not only that, you can see them, but you got something to talk about. You know, you can always ask um, whomever who they like in the big race. And, and odds are, in, in most instances, you can have a real conversation about it. It's, it's, it's a great point. And I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. And it's something that, you know, was part of the founders vision for the Breeders' Cup, too, was to have this race meet that would travel all over and give fans across the the country a chance to not just see great stars um, from U.S. soil, but from from all over the world. So I, I think that very much ties in. All right, I got one more question I want to ask each of you, and we're disqualifying the Platinum Queen as the answer to this question because clearly the Platinum Queen is the horse we're the most forward, most looking forward to see come the Breeders' Cup. But I was curious to ask each of you, and we'll start with you, Minty, to 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 mention either a race that you're particularly excited to see or, or, or a particular horse that you're excited to see come run at the Breeders' Cup in, in what is rapidly approaching now in just, uh, gosh, what is it, 10, 11 days' time? So the race that I think I'm most looking forward to seeing, and, and usually I, I lean towards the Philly and Mare races, um, I think it's because, I, you know, I think once once you take an interest or you're involved in the in the bloodstock side and the breeding side, and it, I, 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 those fillies and mare races I absolutely love. So for me, it would be the Philly and Mare turf. I think um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Dream Loper. Um, I think he's been, um, she's been so impressive in, in France this year and she's, you know, won two grade ones and uh, a grade two on, on good to firm and she was so impressive last time out in the Moulin um, and, you know, obviously that was on kind of autumn ground over here but she has won a, a, a grade two on good to firm so grade group two over here on good to firm so I'm looking forward to seeing her and of course she'll, all being well, um, assuming that the entries um, hold up, she'll come up against Nashua, who was um, ran such a tough race last time out at Longchamp in, in, in unfavoured conditions. And I think had a very hard race, but is an extremely exciting filly. And um, if she could uh, pull it off, it would be an amazing coup for Frankel, who's had such a fantastic run of things lately and another amazing year. So 
um, I think that would be a really exciting race. And of course, Saffron Beach, um, I believe, holds, uh, will hold or is, is, is potentially going to run in either the, the mile or the filia mater. So whether she ends up in this race, I'm not sure. But it's Saffron Beach who disappointed last time out in the Sun Chariot and would need to you know, get back some of her some of her sparkle, but was a Royal Ascot um, grade two winner on Good to Fun this summer and um, is a two-time group one winner. So I think if those if those three ended up coming up against each other, plus the American runners thrown in there, I think the Philly Mets have to be a really exciting contest. It usually is. A little bit interesting this year being contested at the shorter distance because of mm. Keeneland, the mile and three sixteenths, but uh, still very much of, of a race of interest. Tom, we'll ask you to put your fan hat on. We'll close with another Platinum Queen question for you, but I, I did want to just ask you as a racing fan for another race that you're particularly excited about or a horse that you want to see. Yeah, um, well, I do think that the Human Alter Sprint is shaping up to be one heck of a race. Um, the European contingent going across alone is mouthwatering. Um, that's before we throw in um, all the American horses as well. But I'll stay clear from there then. Uh, I am looking forward to seeing the matchup between Highfield Princess and Golden Path uh, on the um, sprint. I, I think that could be quite uh, quite an interesting way. I'm not sure which side I'm going to I'm going to favour there. Um, probably just go with Highfield Princess. Oh, she's been of, amazing this summer. Absolutely, absolutely. And the, her just taking our crown in the Numpop, I think that's probably where I'm going to side with her. I think she's been a revelation and um, the Queens have trained her admirably. But I'm also very much looking forward to seeing Flightline in the flesh. Oh, yeah, that's going to be great. That's going to be great fun. See him put these claims of being the world's fastest racehorse right to the test. And I, I agree that the, the turf sprint amazing a heavyweight title fight with those two and then other interesting runners as well my girl uh campanelle i wouldn't be ruling her out with the success she's had on both sides of, of the atlantic ocean one more one more the platinum queen question i i want to get to for you uh it, do you have any concerns about the ground or any rooting interest in what the how the ground is going to come up we're still too far out to really take any of these forecasts we're seeing seriously but but how much does it matter in the platinum queen's case um, I was very worried going into France. Um, that was fairly well documented about the speed, about um, the, the slow ground blunting her speed, but she coped with that admirably. Um, in a word, no, ideally it'd be good to firm ground on the quicker side, but she's proved she can go in the soft as well. So I'd be a lot more relaxed about uh, well, get, stepping off a flight on Tuesday morning. Um, if it rains, it, it, that's fine. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But um, no, I think, I think she'll be... She'll be perfectly fine on on both ground. Um, I just I just hope we break well enough because I know you Americans are pretty pretty mm -hmm. sharp out the gates, aren't you? So we'll have to uh, we'll have to break well to get to get to the head of affairs. And if she does, fingers crossed, then um, you won't see which way she goes. Are there any special preparations you can take to get horses used to the different starting process and the different size gate that that are here? Is that something that's on your radar? We saw it. Ask it. How how wrong that went for uh, for for um, Irad Ortiz and, and Golden Pal. It, it does seem like a bit of a different ball game. Yeah, that's one of the natures of going into somebody else's backyard, isn't it? Really, you're playing you're playing by their rules, and um, we're in, we're in talks with Richard about what the best way to combat this and give her some extra training, or what we could do, or, or should we just leave it as all a bit of a surprise and hopefully that that keeps her. On, on her toes, if you will, and away we go. Um, we, we, we're working carefully on that. As I know, a few, few of the British trainers are kind of having the same dilemmas as ourselves, actually. I know the Quins are doing something similar. So um, we'll, we'll have to have a little bit of a think about that. But it's a, it's a very interesting question you pose.
it's one thing in a longer race where you have a chance to maybe correct a, a tardy start. I would think in a race like this, it, it's uh, it's a bit more of a, a bit more of a concern, and perhaps why while we've seen some. Uh, English success with uh, glass slippers the other year winning in the turf sprints. I would say as a whole, the, the, the foreign invaders, if you will, have not performed maybe as well as the form book would suggest in this race. And mm-hmm. I, I might put it down to that, but you know, she's so talented. She's just a different, a different item. And I'm sure whatever move you guys decide to make will be the right one when it comes to the platinum queen. Any final thoughts from you, Minty, either about, uh, the invest in the best series or um, the breeders cup or, or just want to give you the last word on today's show. Well, I, I was just going to pick up on the high, uh, Highfield princess story. I think the other really lovely thing is that, um, you know, I think, I think Newmarket being the home of horse racing gets so much attention and Tattersalls is here and it's, it is in, without a doubt, you know, the, the center point for the industry globally. But I, I think, there are so many amazing trainers and training establishments all over the UK. And when Glass Slippers won, it was just, it was fantastic to have, um, you know, a winner for Kevin Ryan and a Yorkshire trainer at the, at the Breeders' Cup on the world stage. And um, trainers all, in all corners of the UK can compete on the world stage. And I think that would be a really, you know, for, for the Quins who are based up um, around that, that part of the world in North Yorkshire as well, it would be a, a wonderful story as well. I think um, every time there's a, a North Yorkshire or a Yorkshire winner on the world stage, there's, um, there's a lot of um, kind of a lot of goodwill from the industry, so I think that would be a that would be another great story. And to have um, um, you, you had gossips obviously obviously in 2020, and with Audaria as well, who was trained here in in Newmarket by James Fanshawe. But and then of course Charlie Appleby had such an incredible year last year. Um, but to have another Yorkshire winner on the on the world stage would be would be fantastic. So um, yeah, I'm I'll join Tom in saying that I'm really looking forward to to seeing that match up with um with Golden Pal. Great stuff. Tom, Minty, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks, Pete. New York Showcase Day is fast approaching as the Sunday, October 30th slate features eight stakes for New York breads totaling over $1.6 million in purses. The great racing will highlight the strong New York bread program, one that is unsurpassed in terms of purses for any regional state bread program. The New York Thoroughbred Breeders is an organization dedicated to the advancement of this New York bread program across the breeding and racing sides of the industry. Part of the New York bread growth includes $181 million in total purses per year with membership incentives, including the monthly New York Breeder Magazine, free entrance to any Naira facility, and discounts through the NTRA Advantage program. Now is the time to join New York Thoroughbred Breeders. For more information, go to www.nytbreeders.org membership. And that's going to do it for today's show. I want to thank all of today's guests. We'll thank our founding partners as well, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation and 10 Strike Racing. Going to have so much content coming from us in the money daily from now through Breeders' Cup. Monster Pod coming up, final answer show, all the stuff you're used to. If you want even more, I mentioned it before, I'll mention it again, inthemoneypodcast.com slash plus is a great way to go. Also want to let folks know about this new relationship we have with our friends over at Thorough Pace. New handicapping product. Very, very cool. And one that our own uh, Tyler Wisman is very, very involved in. So uh, if you know how sharp he is, you're going to probably want to check that out. You can uh, sign up through a special link 
in the money podcast.com slash thorough pace and that's t-h-o-r-o-p-a-c-e really helps with race design and the kind of stuff we talk about on the show all the time thanks most of all though to all of you the listeners for making these shows so much fun to do this show's been a production of in the money media our business manager is drew Cotney. our chief creative officer is jonathan kinchin i'm peter thomas fornatal may you win all your photos I-